January 4th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative will come from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. We'll be reading about the Master. Having defeated the strong man, Jesus now invaded his house and began to spoil his goods. He both obeyed the word and preached it, calling men to become his disciples. Everyone must decide whether to follow Christ or make bargains with the devil. What is your decision? We'll read about the healer. Our Lord's main ministry was teaching and preaching, but his compassion moved him to minister to the physical needs of the people. How tragic that most of the people who followed him wanted his services, but not his salvation. The gifts, but not the giver. And these people, of course, are with us today in droves. Now, the Sermon on the Mount was our Lord's ordination sermon for His apostles. The theme is God's righteousness as contrasted with the hypocritical righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. The sermon is not a second law with new commandments. No, it goes much deeper than the law because it deals with internal attitudes as well as outward actions. It presents a picture of the truly righteous person and shows the spiritual principles that control his or her life. Jesus opened the sermon with a description of the truly righteous person. Then he defined what sin is and what real righteousness is in the areas of worship and wealth. He concludes with warnings against making hypocritical judgments, following false prophets, and failing to obey God's will. You are not saved by trying to obey the Sermon on the Mount any more than you're saved by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Because they involve inner attitudes, the demands of the Sermon on the Mount are much more difficult than those found in the Law of Moses. Only the true believer in Jesus Christ can put the Sermon on the Mount into practice. And now, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. January 4th, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. But instead of going to Nazareth, he went to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. 
and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching everywhere the good news about the kingdom, and he healed people who had every kind of sickness and disease. News about him spread far beyond the borders of Galilee, so that the sick were soon coming to be healed from as far away as Syria. And whatever their illness and pain, or if they were possessed by demons, or were epileptics, or were paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. Hey guys, I'm here at the Burrow House with uh, Dustin Butler. Um, he completes here in about 20 odd days. And um, so, so uh, just looking back, Dustin, over these past 18 months, where you were at when you came in, where you're at now, and some of the things that you see um, down the road. Can you just give us some quick insight um, on, on these past few few months? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, coming from where I was when I first came in, you know, um, complete hopeless, hopelessness, uh, complete lack of confidence, and uh, all that. Um, one of the biggest things I've found is going forward in life that has given me that hope is not that I have confidence in myself, but confidence in where God is taking me. So um, I'm just, I'm trying to focus on trusting Him and relying on Him more and more each day and uh, relieving those anxieties. And um, with the job, the place to live and all that, uh, I'm living with um, a couple of my brothers that I've known since, you know, real early on in the ministry, uh, Levi Rittenhouse and John Lucas. And, um, you know, things are falling into place and God's opening those doors. And uh, trying not to be anxious about those is uh, definitely something that's a struggle uh, towards the end. But um, just relying on God and trusting and being content with where he's taking me. Awesome, man. Now, as far as for guys that are in second phase that um, see how far they've come since first, or you got guys all in fourth phase that, you know, we kind of feel like, you know, we're almost coming to the end of our walk. And as you know, it's, you know, it's just the beginning of it. What would you say to those guys that maybe are getting down on themselves? They feel stagnant where they're at coming from a guy like yourself that you've been to the ministry, you've coordinated, and now you're launching out of coordinating and going into the real world. What would you give guys for those ups and downs that we're going to face in our walk? Man, like uh, one one key to making it through this easier is definitely being ridiculously transparent with the people around you, um, being open about your struggles. You know, not everybody needs to know everything about you, but you definitely, that's why they stress so much to get your three. You have to have those guys that you can puke on and those guys that are going to, you know, refill your cup when you're getting empty. Um, that's why God has placed them in our paths so they can help us out and, you know, help hold our arms up, uh, when we're feeling down and we have to, you know, try and focus on doing that for the same, doing the same thing for the guys around us, you know, relying on each other and, uh, everybody that God has placed in our path, um, just to help build us up and make it through those tough days. Cause the brothers that you're going through with, I mean, you're going to build, uh, lifelong relationships throughout this ministry and, um, relationships are very important.
of course. And uh, as far as, you know, when we when we were in first phase, one of the first things they teach us is those three key elements. And one of those is invest. What do you feel like was a game changer for you? Something that really just changed your path for good and really just sparked your walk. Something that you saw like, hey, that was a huge moment where I see that I invested and it paid dividends. What is something like that for you that you can look back on and see where you gave forth a serious effort, laid it all down to God and made a sacrifice? Um, I got, I got saved, uh, pretty early on in the ministry. And, um, you know, at first it was for selfish reasons. It was for, okay, well, you know, I had all these false labels on myself. Uh, it was an identity crisis. I considered myself a drug addict. Um, I considered myself, you know, worthless, hopeless, and all that. Um, it wasn't something that just happened all at once, but progressively, I started knowing me caring, um, me not thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. Once I started investing in the brothers around me and trying to make the attempts to do stuff, um, not to just better my relationship with God, but hold my brothers accountable um, and show them that I was willing to be held accountable as well because that's what I needed. And um, just it, it was investing in the relationships around me. That was a big game changer for me. Awesome. All right, man, before we go, let's hear it. Favorite verse. Psalms thirty-seven twenty-four. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Awesome. Thanks, Dustin. Love you, man. Absolutely. Love you too, bro. Thanks, buddy. Psalm 4, verses 1 through 8. David wrote this psalm as he was about to retire for the night. He couldn't uh, do much about the war around him, but he could do something about the war within him. He didn't want to lie in bed and worry, so he committed himself and his situation to the Lord. And he did that by asking. That's the first thing he did. He asked. Asking the Lord for help is still a good way to deal with inner turmoil. And second, he believed. He faced his anger honestly and gave it to the Lord. Instead of lying in bed and thinking about your problems, meditate on the Lord and offer Him sacrifices of praise. And he received. In the darkness, he saw the face of God and received light. In his sorrow, he discovered the gift of gladness. In the time of battle, he received peace. God did not immediately change the situation, but he did change David, and he can do the same for you. Psalm chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by stringed instruments, Answer me when I call, O God, who declares me innocent. Take away my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make these groundless accusations? How long will you pursue lies? You can be sure of this. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer proper sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many people say, Who will show us better times? 
Let the smile of your face shine on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and wine. I will lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls out to the crowds along the main street and to those in front of City Hall. You simpletons, she cries. How long will you go on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools fight the facts? Come here and listen to me. I'll pour out the spirit of wisdom upon you and make you wise. <laughs>